0: Could you please pronounce your names correctly for me and tell me a little bit about your background as far as like what you do and what how you ended up as part of Destructura? destructura? Uh,
1: my name is Nur. It's written N-U-R. <laughs> I'm from Turkey, uh, currently living in the Netherlands. I'm trained as a product designer, but I don't really make products anymore. I'm more interested in thinking about uh why we make products or like what does design mean today so I switched a bit to the theory and research aspect of it and and that's why um, why I joined this project was kind of I was trying to position myself in the sector because I'm not an artist exactly I'm not a designer in its traditional sense so I was a bit having difficulty situating myself and finding opportunities for myself to job-wise and uh, project-wise. So I, when I saw the open call of Destructura, I thought, hey, maybe this will give me some time and um, come discussions where I can also think about my own practice and reflect.
2: And that's how I joined this project.
0: Catherine? Is it Catherine? You're about to tell me how to pronounce your <laughs> it name. It
2: so. is supposed to be Catherine, something between French and German. My parents couldn't decide properly. So, Katerin, I'm like academically, I'm trained as an art educator. So I studied um, pedagogy, art and also German on the side. So a lot of theory. Um, And then on the side, I started developing my own practical artistic practice. And currently I'm working a lot with videos, multimedia installations, um, topic wise, a lot with feminism and the current digitalization of our society and yeah i'm a young engaging artist and i just finished art school and uh, it is difficult uh, to find a job it is difficult to find opportunities to exhibit and especially (laughs) to get money from that because often it's this i you're giving a platform be grateful um and of course you can't just live from being grateful to others, so I really uh, like the initiate idea of the Structura to deconstruct the current system and to bring young people together young creatives and also this network idea I think it's really this whole genius, um, one artist's ruling over others it's really outdated and for me here it's also about the collective thinking
0: And now you all were in the think tank entitled Art Expanded Cross-Pollination Between Sectors, correct? Yeah,
2: although
1: we did a small actually, intervention by changing art into arts because we understand art as a more multiple practice and we are all from different backgrounds. So yeah, (laughs) that was our only small change in the title.
0: A legitimate change, but it's amazing the nuances of how picky we can all get about these little things. I I do the same thing, so... Yeah. No. So, like, so when I read that, so, uh, considering I'm an outsider, still an artist, but I'm an outsider to the, the to the planning process of this entire thing. So I envision that this is this conversations were about sort of um, combinations of arts and so arts and sciences, arts and mathematics, arts and whatever other sort of industries, arts and law, arts and whatever. So is that how you all were approaching yeah, this? better? Uh, yeah.
2: Briefly, yes. <laughs>
0: Well, feel free to tell me where I'm wrong and how I'm right.
2: Yes, I think um, we, we started also by thinking about potential combinations of where can art be helpful maybe or can be used. But then we quickly realized before becoming concrete with those examples, we really need to think about what art can be in our day society. And I think we all um, somehow struggled so far with, um, how to say, often art is perceived from outsiders of the art world as something physical, an object you can put on your wall, maybe it's nice for your, I don't know, <laughs> living room or something, and that's totally fair and fine, and uh, this is definitely also art, but it can be more, and this is also what Noor just said, with the arts, is a multiple thing, and we thought about art as a way of doing, so also, the role of the of the artist, what could the artist be in um the situation of a co- um collaboration with a company or with a feminist um group or any kind of union? so we try to expand first of all the the understanding of art i think
1: yeah I mean we talked about about collaborative and participatory aspects of art and uh, we imagine ourselves as artists who don't work in the gallery space, but outside of that um, institutional space and like in social areas and uh, work together with other disciplines to um, figure things out together and question and criticize things together.
0: All right. Just to be clear, I personally take the side that cross-pollination or cross you know, um, disciplinary work is a fabulous thing, okay? But I'm going to play devil's advocate and sort of question you all. Why is that an important thing to you?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, we were in the beginning talking about all these um, crises, which was a topic of another podcast episode um, that that we are all experiencing today, climate crisis, human rights uh, violations, uh, I don't know energy crisis food insecurity so there are all these things happening and we don't think there. i mean we don't think the, the the possible solution can be that if different disciplines and different people who think in different ways would come together then uh, we would uh, find a common ground and share knowledge and exchange knowledge and yeah then maybe uh, there would be We, at least we get more closer to finding solutions or like to these bigger wicked problems. This is, this is what we start with, started with.
2: Um, and I think anyway, everything is already interconnected. And I think it's very, um, how to say, like, it's very human made up to have this super concrete distinctions between this is science, this is mathematics, this is biology, this is humanities. I don't think it is like that in real life and first of all by acknowledging that we can really support each other with different ways of thinking with different ways of doing and i'm just thinking about this example um, i heard another podcast the other day about the director of nasa and he was uh, telling or yeah saying that he always has two employees who are just there to question him and to always say no to him when he comes up with a no idea and to say hey wait a second does it really make sense? Or even bringing in other ideas of, um, well, what if we do the complete other way around? Why, why not? And so on. And he said he needs this moment of deceleration and I think of having a break and of questioning himself. And this was something I thought oh, that would be a great um, role for the artist as well, because we are really trained to question and to find the blind spots somehow.
0: Interesting, because I was thinking it was the other way, that artists are the ones who, like, run at full steam at some idea, even if they're not even sure it's the right idea, and it would be nice to have somebody (laughs) in another field go, is that really the right thing to be doing?
1: I mean, I guess we imagine, like, an equal, I mean, ideally an equal role for all sectors together, but also, of course, there might be some projects where scientists are more, uh, have a bigger role and artists are just helping, or the other way around.
0: <laughs> oh sure, I've I know friends that have worked with like fungus and and things and and like mushrooms in their art pieces and stuff like this. So they needed that a biologist to help them out and all these. So I mean, it's it's got a long standing history of this kind of stuff, and I'm all for it. But unfortunately, it's not very, as common as we I guess yeah. would hope at this point.
1: Yeah, I think we we were discussing a lot about it. Of course, why is it not common, or what are? Uh, what's preventing it to be more common? And some <laughs> yes.
0: What did you come up with for that? I well, would love to know. Well, the first thing
1: I think maybe it starts in education. This is something we discussed in the last days. I think already from school we are separated into these different classes. You study maths, you study arts, and we are never collaborating with each other, or we never get the chance to see each other's lenses. And uh, that was I. This is I think the the first, uh, the first thing that prevents us to maybe uh, initiate collaborations when we are professionals as well. Um, what else, Catherine? <laughs> Do you remember?
2: <laughs> yes. And I think in addition, it's um, nearly all fields are seen as something contrib- contributing profit to society, yeah. like really in a sense of financial profit. And artists often perceive that this you're doing it for yourself somehow and if that would change and we could see oh art can actually really uh, be a nice medium of doing things and of helping out i think it would also change but we're living in this capitalist society everything is about uh, being efficient and getting money at the end of the day so i think this is really also a problem here yeah
0: oh yeah i agree with the issue of education the fact that things are segmented out and not um cross uh, I want to use cross pollinate but it's not a great word for it but like they're not integrated into one another because I, I remember being in intermediate school and high school in the United States and like you would go to math class and then you leave that class and you go to mm-hmm. science class and then you leave that class and you go to art class but those teachers don't talk to each other and the curriculums have nothing to do with each other and so finding any correlation or combination of these different disciplines rarely happened it did happen it does happen more now than when i was a kid but it, it was very difficult to find that relationship now you also you also brought up digitization is that a consideration that's uh, that is brought into this uh, think tank
2: yes i would say so um i mean we somehow acknowledge that we are living or we, yeah, we all somehow thought we're living in times of the image. Means like we have images everywhere. The news are full of images. Instagram, social media, we communicate through the image, and still we haven't really um, like we were not taught about how to how to dismantle the information in, in, in an image, how to realize if it's fake or not, or if it's important if it's fake or not, maybe it's just uh, about what you're doing with it and so on. So I think this is definitely something where we were thinking about, yes.
0: Well, I ask because you know there are many artists that have a position that like the digitization is the downfall of the arts, and there are others of course who have embraced and they think it's a very positive direction for the arts. So I'm sort of wondering, the, most of the people that I talked about are, are closer to my age. You all are a younger generation. So I'm interested in the perspective of the younger generation. Like, sort of, does it, f- to you, does it fall on one side or the other? Or does it even matter?
1: Well, I guess in our group, this was not a big discussion point because, as you say, artists who are um, scared of their role being stolen by technology is like maybe the artists who are, uh, sorry. <laughs>
0: You're putting words Uh, in my mouth, I did not say we were scared. I mean,
1: I have to express, okay. You're
0: you're projecting (laughs) how you think about older people and technology. I mean,
1: because we already imagined the uh, artist role as in a social space and not just a single, I mean, an art, physical artwork, I guess we were not so afraid of the digitization. And we even, I think, discussed how maybe like this some sort of digital platform can be a way to initiate uh, and support these cross-sectoral pollination happening. So I think we are not afraid of technology that much. We just are aware that, of course, as everything, we have to be critical towards it. I guess.
0: Again, I didn't say we uh, okay were I guess I, I, I am afraid you
1: may be subconsciously
0: don't get me wrong most most creative people of a certain generation probably being sort of my generation and older I wouldn't say they're afraid of it as much as they just don't understand it and they don't and they don't see the benefits in the way that people who are younger much as, such as you all who grew up with things like social media and all this as part of your daily experiences you all it to you it's not even a is this important? It's just, it is important.
2: That's something I just wanted to say. I think as digital natives, it's not about deciding if we want uh, digital media, yes or no. It is here already. It will be part of the future for sure. So for me, it's not a free choice, but it's more like make the best out of it in a way. And art can help with that. But I also think there need to be, again, this is cross-pollination. They need other Subjects in school already talk about it earlier. We need informatics in school, but we also need politics who deal with this. I mean, all the polit- politicians using Instagram. Sometimes I read something on Twitter before a newspaper writes about it. And um, yeah, and I think also with the older generation, it was such a fast development, and there are new codes, there are memes. You somehow need to decode the information to also speak in this digital terms and but also like social codes and stuff also what is funny or not even i also have no problems to understand the memes of 14 year olds (laughs) i don't get it sometimes what's funny there but um if i'm concerned about our society and i'm living with them also maybe i hope in 40 years i i think we should all try to decode and understand also the other generations language somehow
0: maybe all right i mean i I, i'm playing devil's advocate so yeah sure the other part of this though so you're talking about cross-pollination and a a number of the the way that it was laid out so i'm reading the i don't even know the blurb about what the think tank was all about was a lot about things like environmental justice um you know minorities feminist movements um you know people who need help so Uh, Was a lot of it also about the ideas of how um, art can be used to make change uh, through these collaborative processes?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we focused on, I mean, one of our (laughs) group members taught us about three pillars of uh, sustainability, which is planet, profit, and people. And we really tried to understand what art can do in these three areas. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, we I think we add, we think art uh, we place a, a role for art that it can uh, add, get change with the help of others, not just artists alone, of course, but
0: and just to be clear, what I heard correctly, you said planets, uh, prophets, yeah. and people. <laughs> So, like prophets, like, no, like, no, like sorry, holy profit, people, or yeah. profits like money,
1: uh, economics, economics I mean. okay.
0: I'm just, just, they No, no, they, they yeah, yeah, they sound the same. So that's why I'm like, are you talking about <laughs> like, uh, like a holy person, or <laughs> it? Well, that's why I was a little like, what is she talking about? <laughs> religion also being. <laughs> no, I mean, in other words, yeah. we okay. can say right. societal so
1: impact, environmental impact, and eco, uh, economical impact, but. The others are more understandable, maybe.
0: No, the the planet planet profit people is a is a catchy thing to easily yeah. remember. You know, <laughs> three P's. You know, the pillars. It's it's good. Easier to remember
2: about the the change. Uh, sometimes I'm not sure if I'm like. Am I reducing art to this, you know, political activist mode of doing things? But then I've just been to Documenta, this a very big art exhibition in Germany in Kassel, uh, which takes place every five years and is quite progressive, I'd say. And there you really encounter nearly all of the art projects. I wouldn't even say artworks because there's that's a really ongoing projects, and they show you the way they're working and there are a lot of workshops, they somehow all showing a very, very concrete outcome or how can the art be used for giving certain people visibility, for constructing chairs which you can take to the park with you and reclaiming the public space you didn't use before and so on. And I also was like, oh, this is so concrete, don't you want to back to, you know, art just stands for itself or also the philosophic aspects or I don't know. But I mean, I don't think it's an either or, it can just be an addition and to see it, art as a mode for change, I, I like the idea in general a lot and I think it's important.
0: All right, so now you've finished up most of your think tank work, we're at the end of this this event coming up. And so what kind of, like I guess, uh, outcomes or plans or ideas have you come up with to sort of progress this idea forward?
1: Well, we were imagining maybe like a European-wide cross-pollination, in uh, not institution, but like a a thing that maybe mediates this sort of collaborations, brings people together, allows them to network, finds helps with funding this type of um uh, maybe organization we imagined. I mean, we, we were looking at the EU funds and there, there, there are a lot of programs, European programs, which seems to fund cross, cross-sectoral collaborations. But we realized that these were not so, I mean, smaller art groups and, um, organizations are not very eligible to apply because these fundings already require a huge, um, budget to, like, to in, invest in it beforehand and the, Application processes are so complex, often that people need to work with an agency who helps them to apply, which also costs money. And uh also like you of course need to have a concrete plan and almost a finished project in order to just apply. And the previous part of this whole process is like who funds that, who funds the experimentation of cross pollinating. We don't know. These were things that we discussed. So we suggest maybe to, uh, yeah, allow maybe maybe make fundings just for ex- experimenting with this because it's a new f- new thing that doesn't have a fixed format yet.
0: Well, that's a difficult balance too, is because like you want to encourage this new thing to happen, but and I wonder whether or not I just shouldn't say but. So I wonder whether or not the cross-pollination between different sectors will be beneficial to finding funding because like if I were to partner with a, I don't know, let's say a marine biologist on a project because now the marine biologist could apply Mm -hmm. for funding and I could apply for funding. So does that actually like elevate the opportunities and create more opportunities for funding or will those projects because they're not like 100% marine biology and not 100% art have less chance of being granted the award. I don't know the answer to that. Well,
1: we don't know. either.
0: <laughs> it's an interesting yeah. dilemma, though. Because on the one hand, it's great and it should be funded, but on the other hand, it yeah. doesn't fit neatly into those pretty boxes that they mm. all like to tick. And so it might it might actually be a detriment.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yes. In addition, I think the understanding of funding, at least in some areas, needs to change or be adapted a bit, because if you're working cross disciplinary, I think there's also need for more time in developing and coming up. It's not like, you know, an artist suggests an artwork, you're funded and you do it exactly how you imagined it because now other people are inside the process as well. It's a making together. So um, I think that might be a challenge to argue. We might need more money and we might need more time. And then we need it before for other projects but i also think that right now um people are convinced about it and initiating here and there projects so it might be also a good time to suggest yeah. more projects
0: all right any other outcomes from the the for the god think tank i keep <laughs> mixing tank. up the terms is there any more outcomes from the think tank that are, are somehow you're being progressed forward that you look forward to either doing yourselves or that you're going to be sort of bringing forward to somebody else to accomplish
2: um i think one is definitely also approaching universities and art academies and trying to initiate those collaborations early on um yeah i think that's at this is important because cross-curricular collaborations—we called it in
1: our report. Yeah, definitely. Yes.
0: Well, I'm a professor, and like, it's really horrible how they don't do that. They still keep into these pigeonholes, like painting teachers teach painting, sculptors teach sculpture. You know, and they don't really collaborate very much even as professors who work together in that office all the time yet they can't seem to come together on a curriculum i personally find it ridiculous i my education is very cross disciplinary so i'm not a huge fan of these sort of singular ideas but it seems like the younger generation slash like i'd say like in the last i don't know 15 years or so I feel like there's a much bigger emphasis on collaborative work and like being part of a, uh, we could call it like a collective or part of a, even like a, just a duo or whatever it is. But there, there seems to be much more interest slash encouragement in working collaboratively these days than there was in the past.
2: Totally, totally. I think I also personally am part of different groups working together for different projects, and I appreciate to be able to you know, distribute workload, but also to get inspiration from others or an open call is forwarded. And then I also think it was actually like, it was always like this. There are nearly no big artists who completely worked alone. I think really this is like a story we are told, but Leonardo da Vinci had this whole workshop with 20 people painting all the time. Jeff Koons um, has people who, who, who nearly make everything. He gives them the concept and this is great. He, he's a good artist and so on or some might not, not think so. I was going to say, is he? Really? I just don't want to take credits from him but uh, it's important to acknowledge that...
0: I'll take credit from him. No, I will, I will absolutely badmouth Jeff Koons. Jeff Koons is a marvelous brand. He is a fabulous marketer. <laughs> but as as far as an actual artist, I'm, no, I'm not going to give him that. No. Yeah,
2: and he's not giving credits.
0: Same with D- Damien Hirst. But
2: exactly. Yeah, you have those, all those, and they are all white men. I mean, sorry, but we're coming back <laughs> to this uh, structure again. I, I hope I didn't need to use this word uh, right now. But um, it's really, there's this idea of this genius. It's still super current somehow. Sorry. Yeah
0: what of white white, white men,
2: men. <laughs> of you know, white men being the leaders somehow and ruling everything even though they might be you know they might have four children who takes care of the children their wife at home so the only reason they have all the time to spend for art is they, they also have someone who who takes workload off them
0: okay but you're being a bit limited it could be their husband also oh. <laughs> so true
2: so true I'm just talking statistically, but this is, of okay. course, very, very important to, okay. to, to add, yes.
0: Just, and hopefully yeah, there will be more. throwing it out there, don't want to be that sexist. Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, the whole issue of sexism in the history of white male dominance, is, it's a horrible thing. It never should have been that way, but I don't know how it became that way. And unfortunately, this topic comes up quite often on this podcast, and like, <laughs> I don't know what to do about it. It's not my fault. Like, I'm not propagating this situation. It's just, it is hi- history. Yes, yes. and And some people are continuing that. And I always, whenever the topic comes up, I'm always like, I was want to feel like <laughs> no. I should apologize. But, I, I, like, I didn't do anything other than be born as a white no, just, male. E- just enjoy heterosexual it. <laughs> American. You, you would be amazed, actually, well... <laughs> funny you say that because it's actually not as beneficial in many respects as you might Late, think yeah, yeah. <laughs> now yeah in like the last 10 years being a white male i'd say american even kind of detrimental like because nobody gives a shit about us because they're like yeah yeah you've had enough time in the spotlight we don't need you anymore and i'm like okay that's it.
2: yeah I, I honestly i so, think that can be yeah, it's not yeah. a. Difficult role. I mean, that's why we need
1: collaborations. At this point. <laughs> I will, will sit it back to it. I mean, I don't know. I I believe in the pluriverse, like these uh, different ways of knowing coming together. And yeah, I think, yeah, I, I don't like the idea that you are now in, a, un, like, for example, excluded from opportunities or something that I think everyone should come together and do things together.
0: I take no offense to it. I mean, you know, white men had their time, and unfortunately, well, sort of, sort of unfortunately, I didn't get to reap the benefits of it. But, you know, it it is what it is. And I mean, I, I, I don't know why it ever became that way in the first place. And so I don't know much about how to like undo it, I guess.
2: I, I do have some small ideas and I, I just wanted to add that I don't think it's so much about blaming the individual, but it's also for for women, for minorities, for queer people, we all have those incorporated sexist ideas. So basically we all somehow need to fight our, our own inner structures and it's not one against the others. Um, but I think one thing, for example, could be to acknowledge collectivity, to give credits to the people who are who helped and who are behind you, the groups, the network, and not just you know put yourself in the spotlight. Like it's a super small thing, but I mean, I already think this is um, the counterpart to how it was before, or yeah, the last centuries.
0: Okay. Yeah. So tell me, uh, an assistant who worked for Jeff Coons. Name one name. Yeah, I have no idea. And that's the problem. Nobody knows anybody (laughs) who works for Jeff Koons. (laughs) That's really
2: the problem. Yes.
0: That's right. I know. I know. It's a horrible situation because, I mean, those master craftspeople are producing his works, but yet we don't know who any of them are because they're Jeff Koons artworks when they go out into the public. That's a sad state of affairs.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I also don't like like this this, just kind of railing (laughs) on and we will find more artists who are doing the same so (laughs) no but um, it's also about exploitation systems and about you know if you start from a point without privilege it's still incredibly difficult to especially in the art world or maybe as well uh, i don't know to To be successful, because it costs money, it costs time. You need to do unpaid internships, and therefore you you study longer. And people who can't afford that, they are basically left behind. And this is what I also hoped, like the structura could be, you know, talking about exactly those things and dismantle that. And I need to say that also the structura, in a way, become a bit exploitative. We are, you know, we are here. We We paid our travel costs people paid a fee we were working long days writing texts basically unpaid and at some point i was wondering oh wow we're trying to dismantle the system but again we (laughs) are trapped in it so how how is there a solution how how can we find that and it's still really a difficult thing so i'm also sometimes really lacking answers so Maybe it's about the network and exchanging.
0: Yeah, when it comes to something like that, the thing that like my dad used to tell me when I was a kid because I was always like the the rebellious, buck the system kind of kid that got in lots of trouble for that throughout my entire childhood. But he used to always say to me, he's like, it's easier to change the system from within the system mm-hmm. than it is to change it from the outside. And so there's always going to be some amount of balancing act of like, if you, if you want to make a change you can't like nobody wants to hear somebody like outside the door yelling at them but if you're able to sit at the table with the people they'll give you a better listen so as much as like being rebellious and having alternative plans and ideas and thoughts about the arts world are great uh it, you'll get better uh responses from the people in the art world if you're actually sitting at the table with them
2: yeah yeah <clears throat> totally and I also think like the last days we started to Sad. confront this problem and you know it, it feels like oh god we are starting a conflict, should we just accept and be grateful because we are teached to be grateful? But then actually we had so good discussions and I felt this common ground of all of us and people were starting listening, the org- organizers were acknowledging our situation and I think it already changed a bit so even though the practical situation didn't at least we are now one team again and we're trying to now go into a project phase where we try to find more funding and it already feels like a little step outside of this um yeah problematic system
1: yeah we realized i mean well we were talking about our problems it somehow brought us together better and then we worked much better afterwards in our group at least. So that was also nice to notice.
0: Yeah, I wanted to take a step (laughs) back to a comment you made about like privilege being part of the arts industry. I'll tell you, like in the past, well, probably since I started doing this podcast, I started about three years ago, I started researching people and artists and curators and stuff, and I got so annoyed when I started doing this research about people, because I'm like, oh, I want to have a guest like that does this or a guest like this. And I'd research it, and it would always be this is the son of or the daughter of. And so they'd always have some powerful, influential, rich, whatever parent, aunt, cousin, some patron that love. So like It's always somebody with power, influence, or wealth that has basically like deemed them worthy, either because they were born into their family, married into their family, or some other sort of an association. And it just made me so angry at the whole system because it's like whatever happened to being good – like, why can't it be about merit? I'm a horribly <laughs> romantic person in the fact that I believe the art world should be based on okay. merit rather than where you were born or your family name or anything like that. But that's my soapbox is like I cannot stand how much of the arts industry is based on the the privilege of, of being born whatever or to whomever or marrying whoever or whatever. Oh, it just drives me nuts.
2: So. Yes, I agree.
0: That's my soap so
2: today. <laughs> no, it is super annoying. It's crazy. And then you have those different systems, but for example, in Germany, you know, if you go to art academy, you're you are linked to a certain professor and then it's like you're a student mm-hmm. of this and this famous oh. person. Like, hell, please, I'm my <laughs> own person, you know. If you're successful, they will use you. And if not, well oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, sorry.
0: Well, and what's even worse about that is if you get associated as like the apprentice to some master studio at a school, and then that guy ends up, assuming it's a man, by the way, totally sexist, I know, but that professor, if they screw up, like, so if they get arrested for something or accused of something or anything like that, suddenly your entire reputation is fucked. Yes, Okay. That's
1: true. Apparently addition, I had, yeah, so I had, uh, I've never experienced this in my education, so I'm happy now. <laughs> Mine where everyone was individuals, nobody was attached to anyone or any label. It was quite nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, the the, the mentor-apprentice thing okay. is very European.
2: Okay. Yeah. And this is what I thought. Like, right now we have the link to the cross-disciplination and pollination again, because right now we, we, we're talking about visual artists, right, and academies, yep. but Noor is talking out of the perspective of a designer. And this is also something which we are somehow missing right now, this this collaboration between different fields and also to acknowledge, you know, I think we call it creative practitioners and we try to find a name for all those people who are like visual (laughs) artists, designers, um, writers,
1: architects,
2: (laughs) scenography, yes, architects and so on. This is also, there is also already a a huge distinction we are making and I think it would be, it was the last days I was thinking it was so helpful to have those different perspectives from people with another education background.
0: I just use the term creatives. Creatives, yeah. yeah that's just yeah. Creatives. Because it's also not even gender specific or anything like that, so it's just creatives. Yeah. 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 It yes. works for me. <laughs> a little too open-ended though, because unfortunately somebody who like, I don't know, yeah. knits baby mittens would call themselves a creative, so that, that doesn't necessarily fit. Yeah, I'm a horrible snob. I have like an actual hierarchy <laughs> of where I think merit lies. I'm not going to go into my whole taxonomy with you but like it, it's really hard because like somebody who like just like makes candles and sells them on Etsy they try to use the term artist whereas somebody who's got like uh, an Oxford or a Yale education who's exhibiting it at Pace Gallery or White Cube also calls themselves an artist and I think that the vernacular needs to have a little bit more segregation in there like traditionally it used to be like a craftsperson and then an artist, and there was a separation there. But now that's gotten all blurred. There's also that's a, another one the my maker, little maker is not, also
1: yeah. one of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's new. That's new. That's new. Yeah. I mean, but anyways, all right. Yeah. We went way <laughs> off topic. But that's interesting. Okay. Way of Do you topic. have something else?
2: <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Would have been even more off topic. So let's go back to topic. <laughs>
0: Now I I feel like we didn't
1: represent our group of work well enough. (laughs) I mean, we did work a lot, this whole thing, but yeah, we were also discussing a lot as we are more than 50 young uh, creatives coming from different countries. There were a lot of discussions going on, so we were not just fed by this think tank work, but from all the conversations we had with different people.
0: But you saw how well creatives fit into that
1: sentence. (laughs) Yes. Well, also, I can maybe. Sorry, I can maybe add about our work that we didn't really come into very concrete suggestions like, yeah, you should do this to allow uh, cross-disciplinary work or something like that. We were just more interested in how to acknowledge artists' role in these in these collaborations. How what artists can offer, for example, they can be in the role of translators of certain um, data or research. Moderators, into more, yeah, moderators. Like because artists have the possibility to maybe stay in a closer uh, place to the public, and they could maybe, yeah, trend, like turn things into more tangible and and like create like make make us feel things, make us learn things through doing and experiencing so maybe in that sense um it's um it's meaningful for different like different practice different professionals to collaborate with artists and then yeah, as catherine said we also imagine the role of artists as mediators in these collaborations maybe they uh, have the capacity to form these collaborations and um yeah, mediate and facilitate the communication among different sectors. Yeah.
2: <laughs> to give an example, we also thought about, um, like, to come back to digital and media aspects, there is this group called Forensic Architecture, I think based in London at Goldsmiths University. Yeah. Um, they're mainly architects and they're, yeah, working with data or they collecting data and putting... together into visuals videos pictures of yeah basically crimes which happened in the past race maybe racist attacks um or, or also this fire in the in the tower in london and i noted in the beginning when the first time i saw their work in the museum i was really surprised and confused because i was like this is a documentary kind of work why is the police not doing it why is forensic architecture doing this on a volunteer base (laughs) well you know like how and why and here and and now I'm so convinced about it because of course yeah they're it's their profession they know so well how to put this data together and how to transfer it into To an easier and more approachable medium and nowadays they even used in front of court so i think there was also a huge change in in this in perceiving this kind of art And, and yeah these were all the things we were talking in our think tank and there were so many ideas on or good examples brought up like hey this should be art should be used more in this way or in that way
0: all right any last little things you want to talk about
2: no I, I just think what we what we said before with this exploitation aspect and so on i just think it's very important that you know we are also happy about this project happening and b- about collaborating but i it's also okay to keep on criticizing even though it's annoying but um and also with this cross-collaboration it's there are a lot of opportunities but there are also challenges for sure and I don't want it so easily to be marketed. Or this is maybe my fear, you know. So that it's a great marketing trick. Let's bring some artists inside and so on. So there's also this. Let's wait and see what happens. Somehow, maybe as a last.
1: Yeah. Addition. I mean, we value like the meaningful uh, togetherness of these sectors, not just for the sake of bringing them together.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it, it is often a, a thing that happens. Like, I mean, I'm I'm thinking back to like what the the uh, vodka ads in the early like 80s and 90s where they had artists come in and the well, absolute vodka. That's what it was, and they had the artists design the advertisements. That then the those became iconic of the time period as advertisements but basically they just paid an artist to, to do some art and so like how much of that is sort of using the artist versus actually like legitimately paying them because i would imagine that vodka company probably still makes money off those images and those artists probably just got yeah. paid a lump sum and yeah. get no money this, this from was it also so. something we
1: discussed. i mean in these collaborations often The non-art sector benefits more than artists in a way because artists are more doing it on a voluntary basis. To because they care about the work, but yeah, this is this is something we need to discuss more to find solutions to prevent. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) All too often, corporations, business, marketing, whatever—they always take advantage of artists because they're good business people. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally, they are good business people. And so they do everything in their benefit and don't really care how it affects artists they, because we're just oftentimes in those cases a tool just for them to get their thing out there. And so we're t- basically taken advantage of, but that's just my, my two cents on that. All right. Well, hopefully you can change that in the future. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: hey, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a bit of utopian energy. I love it. <laughs> no. It's my romanticism. <laughs> yes, <mine
0: too. laughs> All right. Well, thank, thank you very you. much.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to the entire episode. We would appreciate it if you would share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, studio mates, or anybody with an interest in the arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway, in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunstcentrene in Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website at wisefoolpod.com.